You've tuned into a mega church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Just I'll make our proclamation. Kingdom of God is here. One more time, kingdom of God is here. Kingdom of God is here. Amen. So we're coming to Jonah chapter 3. Uh, put this map up there so that <coughs> we can trace back again. See, this is Israel and Joppa is somewhere here. I think this Jaffa is similar to Joppa. It may not be too far, it must be the same. And if you want a straight line distance to Nineveh, it's 822 kilometers. If you go by a road, it is 1175 kilometers. So, so many times we hear a lot of stories about Jonah wearing uh, tattered clothes, you know, torn clothes, bleached hair or bleached skin. Somehow I was thinking that may not be a right picture. Many preachers have preached it, even I have done it in the past. But when I looked at the map, there's nowhere nearer to Nineveh sea connecting anywhere. So where would the fish dump Jonah? Where did it dump him? Most probably back to the point from where he, flee, he was trying to flee from the Lord. And then he has got 30 or 40 days to walk all the way back to Nineveh. So by then the fishy smell would have gone. There's no more fishy smell. He has to keep walking with determination. Any day he thinks, now I don't want to go to Nineveh, I want to go back. He still had an option, 30 days to decide. I tell you, when you want to do God's will, it requires that determination to keep sticking to that focus. That what God has told you to do, you have to do. And sometimes it requires more focus than you expect it. So here is Jonah on this mission of reaching to Nineveh. So here it says in chapter 3, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So first time when it, when it came was in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So here the father's name is omitted. It, it doesn't come there. It simply says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And that second time is very important word. Everybody say, second time. One more time. Why is it important? God's grace comes to us always a second time. When you miss the first time, it comes a second time. And many times in my life, you know, it's been more than second time. <laughs> I don't have any count. Only when I go back to before the throne of God and stand there and the book is open, God may say, you... Thousand times I have given you a chance. I will not be surprised. But some major things, major things when you miss in life, God gives a second chance. Our God is a God of second chance. Say it, our God is a God of second chance. So the question of all questions is, where are you in your life journey with the Lord? That's, a, that's something that you need to answer it. And... Um, 
so many times god's call comes to us but then we miss we mess it we mess it up i'll give you an example of jeremiah jeremiah was a prophet god called him chose him before he was formed in his mother's womb he knew him he called him to be a prophet to the nations and he said i'm making you like a bronze your head like a bronze you know and people will come and fight you but they will not overpower you i will deliver you and you will be my mouthpiece you will speak my words that was the call upon jeremiah and why did he call him when he was very young because he was prophesying through many kings for nearly 50 years or so he was 40 to 50 years he was faithfully speaking the words of god and if god calls him when he is 70 year old he will have very less time that's why god called him when he was still young and when he was called and he was doing the work of the lord but he was being pressured by people in jeremiah chapter 15 verse 10 he says alas my mother you gave me birth that you gave me birth a man with whom the whole land strives and contends i have neither lent nor borrowed yet everyone curses me you can imagine for for jeremiah to say those words everybody curses me i did not borrow from anybody i did not give money to anybody but yet everybody is contending with me fighting with me day in and day out and god told him you will not marry also so he never married he was committed to, he was sold out to one cause the cause of israel and he was weeping and praying and weeping and praying that is the reason why he is called weeping prophet the book of lamentations is attributed to jeremiah that's how he cries for the land of israel you know when god calls comes that burden will be crushing your heart day and night will consume you you will not be able to sleep you will not be able to rest sometimes because the con- the constraint of god's love when it touches your heart for the people of the land you cannot escape it you cannot escape it i think it was david brainard who died very young he he woke he went to the field for a very short time and uh, the tuberculosis took over and it killed him but then when he was going on the horseback many miles every day to preach and sometimes he'll be coughing or piece of lung will come out and blood will come out why am i saying these things the call of god is not very cheap it's expensive it costs you something when you want to obey god and it's for jonah it was costing him to turn back on his pride he ran away from god he accepted his defeat and now he says i will go and that's the time god told in chapter 2 he commanded the fish to vomit him out he fell on the ground by the shore in israel again and he got things set set things right and he set on journey to walk 30 days to reach ninava 30 days to 40 days walking day daily morning to evening you walk rest again you get up in the morning keep going it is not a easy it is not a easy journey but he did the journey because he was obeying god so many times we need to be having that kind of a commitment and when jeremiah was tired because of these people you look look at his words how he says lord you understand remember me and care for me avenge me on my persecutors you are long suffering you do not take me away think of how i suffer reproach for your sake when your words came i ate them they were my joy my heart's delight for i bear your name lord god almighty 
I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Can you speak words like that to God? What kind of pain you must be going through to say those kind of words to God? You've been a deceptive brook and, um, um, and you've been a spring that fails. You come, for, you, you come to find water, there's no water in the spring. That's what he's saying. You are a spring that fails. Can God be a spring that fails? He can never be that. And then God's word came to Jeremiah again. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. There's a time when we can be grievous, then the time we can uh, go angry with God, you can, you can quarrel with God and argue with God. But a time will come when you'll be restored. There's a time you humble yourself to do his will. And then his word comes. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. A spokesman. Let these people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to these people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue you and save you. And this man, they picked him up, put him in a well without water. And I always struggled with that. If the word of God says, I am going to rescue you and save you, and this man is picked up and thrown into a cistern, there's no water. Abed Melech, a man who is not an Israelite, he came to rescue him, pulled him out of the well. And he was put in house arrest in the king's place, given just bread and water. Bread and water. There's one more man when you want to read, when you have time, you can read about a man called Micaiah. During the time of Ahab, when he wanted to go to war, the word of the Lord, basically Micaiah was in, in, under house arrest. He was under house arrest in the king's house. And when Jehoshaphat visits Ahab and they have a talk and they want to go and attack um, uh, Syria, I mean Assyrians, there was a time and um, they had 400 false prophets. How many? 400. Just a little while ago, Elijah killed 400 prophets of Baal. How many? 400. But Ahab replaced those lost 400 prophets with 400 more false prophets. That is the wickedness of Ahab. And then Jehoshaphat and they all were prophesying, go, you will win, you will be victorious. And Jehoshaphat listens to all these 400 voices and he says, hmm, is there no single prophet of the Lord here? One prophet, is it not there in this land? Ahab says, yeah, 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 he's there. But he always says negative things about me, not good things. So he says, bring Micaiah. So they bring Micaiah. And the guy who went to bring him from the prison tells him, 400 people are prophesying that king will be victorious. You tell the same thing. You tell the same thing. So he came and he said, yes, go, you'll be victorious. But the king knew there's an irony in his voice. It's not the truth. So he says, how many times should I tell you to tell the truth? And then he says, I see Israel scattered on the hills without a leader. Everybody goes to their own home. You see, I told you, he has no good word to tell me. And one of the guys comes and strikes him on the face. 
you know that is a, that is striking on the face is uh, a figure where you are you are telling them to tell the truth even jesus was stricken was stricken on the face in the trial during the trial that is to humiliate and to command them to tell the truth and say and uh, the guy who struck him on the face says when did the spirit of the lord go from me to you to give you the revelation and he says you will know it on the day you will hide in the inner room that means when this prophecy of micah will come true public will come and try to kill him or stone him and then we have to run for his life and hide somewhere in the house so the, the call of a prophet is something awesome because micah will tell i will not say anything other than what the lord tells me to say so micah was determined to tell what the lord has shown him and then he goes into the war in disguise disguise is he didn't want to be seen by anyone as king so he tells jehoshaphat you be in king's clothes but i will hide myself in ordinary clothes and i'll go into the war and the king of syria said don't go after anybody don't look for commanders don't look for soldiers don't look for horses look for the king of israel and kill him so targeted and this man was in disguise he was not wearing king's clothes and uh, the charioteers and other people they thought that jehoshaphat is again they go after him and jehoshaphat cries out oh god save me and god delivered him god heard that voice and delivered jehoshaphat so that the charioteers were pursuing the king they will know that he is not the king and leave him out why am i saying all these things god is sovereign his hand is upon your life you cannot escape his call when he calls you to be a prophet you will be a prophet but when he when you want to run away from him you cannot run away from him because his hand is upon you you cannot run away from god i have i have thought the same thing i used to hear any message about god's ministry from my early 20s and i used to respond say i will go and do the ministry but i never did it for many many decades can i escape god's call no it came back again in the year 2000 but was fulfilled in the year 2019 to start the church we cannot escape god's call in your life this is very very awesome and then when micah when micah was humiliated and he gave the word but then what happened somebody draws a arrow at random and that went and struck the king of israel between his upper breastplate and the coat of arms on his hand on the shoulder there was a little gap a random arrow went and pierced him and usually arrows are tipped with poison so he says to the one who is driving the chariot turn around i am i am wounded so he went and, and there was sparks somewhere and he was propped in the chariot all day and he was bleeding and he died at the end of the day they take his bomb I and they bury him and take the chariot to wash and when the chariot was taken to wash when the blood was flowing down the dogs came licked it in fulfill, fulfillment of the prophecy by elijah that ahab's blood will be t- eaten by the dogs i want you to capture this the prophecy is not here to play around so many times i see people coming and saying things oh you are a great person you are going to do this you are going to do that lot kind lot of people prophesy many things from their own mind they can prophesy like the forerunner prophets of baal but when you are called by god 
in the name of Jesus when you stand, your word will not fall. It is not to please people, but you will speak the word of the Lord and that will be sometimes judgment. But God's judgment always comes with mercy. So Jonah is a prophet. I already told you in chapter one, first message on Jonah, he, had, he was a successful prophet. He prophesied it came to, it came to happen. God gives a second chance. God gives a second chance. For Abraham, he went into Egypt and the king saw that his wife was beautiful and he sent his men and took her into the, uh, into the palace. And then what happens? God comes in a dream and warns the king, if you touch that lady, you are a dead man. She is the wife of a prophet. Did he learn any lesson from it? No. A second time he again goes somewhere else, he again, he says, she is my sister. And then they take him again. They take her again, a second time. And not only the father did it, his son did the same thing. He goes to Egypt and he says, she is my sister. And his wife was taken. I tell you, we need to learn something. One time you fail, you have to learn something. It's very important. You have to re rewire your brain so that you will not make the same mistake. It may take time, meditation, tears, confession, going on your knees. If required, fasting and prayer. Do something, but change your mind with determination to do, determination to do the will of God. David sinned, but that was not the end. He repented. So we need that thing that we need very, very, the, the one thing that we need today is that ability to repent and turn to God and to commit ourselves to do the will of God. What is God's call on your life? What is God's call on your life? That's the question that you need to answer. When you answer that question, then your life will not be the same. Your life will not be the same. There's a word in Micah, in, in Micah chapter 7 verse 8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Even though you fall, you will rise when God's call is on your life. Because his call is not ineffective. The, there is power in God's call. When God releases words, something about your life, that word comes with power to make you do it. It gives you ability to do it. The word of the Lord is not in vain. So you don't need to read very far in your Bible to discover that God forgives his servants and restores them to ministry. Abraham fled to Egypt where he lied about his wife, but God gave him another chance. Jacob lied to his father Isaac, but God restored him and used him to build the nation of Israel. Moses killed a man in self-defense, probably, and fled from Egypt, but God called him to be the leader of his people. Peter denied the Lord three times, but Jesus forgave him and said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Do you love me more than this? That was a word. Three times, and Peter was very unhappy. But at the end, what matters is whether you hear that word of God and do it. That's very important. So, chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. At this time, he arose and went to Nineveh. In chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He arose and fled to Tarshish. Can you see the change? 
to bring about the change god had to bring a storm throw him into the sea cause a order a fish to come there wait for him swallow him three days and three nights and vomit him up on the then now the word of the lord comes he says okay i go do you want to go through all the trouble and pain in order to obey god or when the word of the lord comes you are saying lord let your word come to me i am ready to do your will you can do both you have a choice to rebel and then submit and do or readily submit and do and here we see he is now obeying the lord go to the great city of nineveh and proclaim to it the message i give you the first time he said cry against it because his wickedness has come before me but now he doesn't give any details he simply says proclaim the message i give you prophets have got only one job to proclaim what gives them what the lord gives them not to mix it not to make it more palatable more attractive more pleasurable to the listeners it is to cry out exactly what god tells you to tell you don't change it give the word as it is and verse 3 jonah obeyed the word of the lord and went to nineveh that means even though the verse here says in a, in one verse everything is said it takes him to walk 30 to 40 days he got up and went to nineveh now nineveh was a very important city in some translation it says a great city a big city important city a visit required 3 days so how big is nineveh people say its circumference was about 60 miles 60 miles but some people say it could mean the greater nineveh you know sometimes when you have you know when you talk about christ church you talk about belfast you talk about littleton you talk about far off places you know taupo and all these things you still consider them as christ church but they are all different different suburbs like that you got the main city of nineveh you got a um, fort that is surrounding the city and uh, the fort was so wide you can have a chariot going on it and then you got uh, people walking on it marching on it you can do all that you want to do so big so wide but at the same time they also had three other cities which are also part of nineveh so it takes 3 days to cross through it and then what did jonah do so jonah does what he does is here jonah sta- on the first day jonah started into the city he proclaimed 40 more days nineveh will be over- overturned how many days 40 days when you read one version called the septuagint that is the greek translation which is done in the second century bc it says Three more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Except Septuagint, all other versions have got 40 days. I never thought about it before. But when I was thinking this time, I thought 40 days, 40 days is too long. Probably three days would be making a more major impact on the listeners. If somebody comes and tells you three more days you are going to die, will you act on that more quickly or if somebody came and told you 40 more days for you to die you will take action on it which one will be more imp- more powerful to make move the person who is receiving the message any any answers 3 days yeah why do i say 3 days could be the right translation because sometimes you know when we have all these copies when the people are making the copies they make an error 
So I don't know whether the guy who wrote three days made an error or the one who wrote 40 days made an error. I don't know. <laughs> but I know one thing. When you read in chapter 4, after preaching for three days, Jonah retreats, goes to the east side of the city and makes a booth and sits there wait, waiting to see what's going to happen to Nineveh. Is fire going to come down? Is going to kill the people? He was waiting there to watch. Suppose he has to wait for 37 days. Will it make sense? No. After three days, he was waiting, waiting there and God allows a plant to come up and first day is so hot, the sun is beating on him, he is very uncomfortable. Next day, God allows a plant to come up and cover it up. So second day is all cool, air, air conditioning for him, is happy. And uh, that night, God says, a worm he allows to eat it and the plant fades and uh, third day is, is beating hot and he was fainting because of the heat. All those things make sense if this is three days. If it's 37 days, was he not having the sun affecting him for the next next to 34 days? Was he beating, the, the sun was beating only one last three days? It doesn't make sense. So possibly three days could be the right translation. And many preachers go with three days. But I leave it to you. You want to take three days or 40 days, I'll leave it to you. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Jonah preached three more days or 40 more days, and people repented. People repented. People repented. That is very important. So what happened here is 40 days more, Nineveh will be overthrown. The word used for overthrown is, where is it? Turn around. The Hebrew word is hapak. Hapak means overturned in Hebrew. This is the same word used to describe Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed, overturned. Fire and brimstone came from heaven. Probably Jonah must be aware of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he was waiting, sitting outside the city, constantly watching, don't want to miss the action. Is the fire going to come? It didn't come. He was very, very unhappy. We'll see it next week, more about it. But the point here I'm trying to make is that um, uh, the same word is used there to describe Sodom and Gomorrah, and it also can mean turn around. Overturn, turn around, both. The message came to overturn, and the people repented, and then there was a turn around. Can you see the power of the word of God? The same word, the word of judgment came, but it brought change in the hearts of the people, and the Lord turned that judgment into a blessing. So was it really, either way the word is fulfilled. Either way the word is fulfilled. In the sense, whether the punishment came on them or they turned and then blessing came, the word was fulfilled. So Jonah was again a successful prophet, but he was unhappy about it. We'll see that next week. Verses 5 to 10 talks about the reaction of the Ninevites. What did they do? When the news reached the king of the new, uh, sorry, verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. So this is a summary of what happened. But you want more details? Verse 6, when the news reached the king of the Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, 
covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust, then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and uh, beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call up urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So the king also rose from this throne, took off his royal robes, put on the sackcloth, put dust on his ash, uh, dust on his head and the sackcloth and sat in the ashes, repented. And from the least of the people to the greatest of the people, everybody repented. And they even covered the animals with sackcloth. And they gave them no food, no water. They fasted. Probably they fasted for two days or three days, I do not know. Probably three days. Let's go with three days. And God saw them and said, okay, you guys are changing. So I will not bring the disaster that I have intended to bring on you. So that you see it in verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Now here, some translations use the word God repented. Does God repent? Even in Genesis chapter 6, when, when the so much of sin was multiplying, God repented that he ever made man, he says. Basically, that, that simply means relent here. Relent is you become softer. You don't become too hard. Don't say, I told you I'm going to punish. I stand by my word. I'm punishing you today. But when they repented, God said, no, I will not punish you. I will not bring disaster upon you. I will, uh, he delayed it. Did these people repent genuinely? Was their repentance an authentic repentance? When you see in history, the same people came from Nineveh, marched against Israel and invaded Israel in the year 722 and Israel fell with a great fall. 722 BC, Israel ceased the top uh, northern um, nine and a half tribes or ten tribes, they ceased as a nation because Assyrians came, invaded them, took them as captive, killed people whom they could, they could kill. You know, these people are known for violence, violence with a very high degree. They killed women, children, they impaled, put a I mean, sharp thing and uh, the, from the bottom, you know, it will go up to your head. And they killed them like that and skinned them live. And God was not happy with this violence. violence. That's the reason why he said, repent. I'm going to destroy you. And they repented. God said, okay, I'm not going to kill these people. But yet these people again came back after 37 years. They came and captured the Israel and went. So what is this kind of repentance that we are talking about? They repented because king says, everybody, you will not eat food. You will wear sackcloth. There was an edict was issued. And the king says, you do it. Everybody did it. Their heart is not really touched. But outwardly, you look at them, they are repenting. Not heart. In chapter 1, you see the people, the sailors that were there on the, on the ship, they also were praising God. They vowed to make sacrifices to Yahweh. Does it mean they are going to sacrifice to Yahweh only in the future, never any other God before? It doesn't, may not mean that. 
So here also, they repented, but it's not completely from their heart. Because if they repented from the heart, why would they come and attack Israel after 37 years? They would not. In today's terms, if something like that happened, what, what will the Assyrians do? They'll make a gold statue of Jonah and put it in the central place and put garlands on it and celebrate and rejoice because this guy came and said, three more days you are going to be finished and nothing happened because God spared us. They will make a memory. They will make a statue of Jonah and put it there. And all the TVs will be focusing there and it becomes a big news. But these people, they, they did not remember any of these things. After 37 years, they came and attacked Israel and took them captive and resettled them in different places and brought their people and settled them there in Israel. So repentance has to be change of mind, change of heart. And when, when we come to the Bible in the, in the New Testament, the repentance has a different meaning. In the New Testament, the repentance is if you're going in one direction, sinful life, going towards hell, you repent, you turn around and walk in towards life, obedience, keeping the laws. That is repentance according to the New Testament. And that should be the way even in the Old Testament. But here the Ninevites repented but was only skin deep probably. So their actions is what God desired from the Israelites but not, did not receive it. Verses 7 to 8. Uh, yeah, 7 to 8. I already dealt with that. Okay. Verse 9. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Who knows? That word, who knows? That means they are looking with a hope. There's hope in those words. Who knows? When the captain went in chapter 1, verse 6, the captain went to Jonah and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. People are always looking for hope. And that's the time when you see, when you're talking to people, when they're hoping for things to change, that's the time you open your mouth and tell them, this God, Jesus, is the answer for your problem. A guy is not asking for help. And you tell him, you need Jesus. He says, why do I need Jesus? I don't know how to deal with the people who are self-satisfied. So many times I talk to people in New Zealand and they say, why do I need God? I have a job. I get money every week in my, in my bank. And the people who do not have job, they say, I got uh, social security, I get money there every week. So why do I need God? I'm healthy. My hands and feet are good. Why do I need God? To those people, how can you preach the gospel? You need to have more patience, talk to them in a more logical way. You need to present arguments. You had to have a lot of time spending with those people. But when you see somebody with need, it's very easy to talk to those people. Say, I will pray for you, guy. And things are going to change for you. And when they see things change, they know that this Jesus has answered your, your prayer for them. So when you see there's hope in their heart, that's the time you say, this Jesus that I believe in can meet your need. Make your hope a reality. That's how you preach. And then 
to summarize it all the last verse it says is god saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he had compassion did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened see this chapter begins with the word the word of the lord came to jonah and ends with god saw what they did and turned from the um, and had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened there are the two verses only talk about god's action every other reference to god is people talking about god praying to god pleading for mercy but god's action is only these two verses first verse and the last verse and in chapter 2 also the same way he was the jonah jonah was followed by fish and the last verse in chapter 2 is and the lord commanded the fish and it vomited jonah unto dry land so you observe the whole book you will see god says commands the fish to swallow him commands the fish to vomit him up and the word comes to jonah and then repents and the people repent and he doesn't bring the disaster on them awesome god but one thing that we need to understand here is the ninevites had an understanding of god sovereignty of god maybe this is god who is sovereign who can do things and many times we may be forgetting that god is sovereign we are overpowered by our problems overpowered by our sickness overpowered by our financial problems we are overpowered by uh, challenges at the job overpowered by the challenges with raising the children every issue we are overpowered and we feel helpless you don't look to god and say you're sovereign you can change things and the ninevites if you haven't learned anything from ninevites they had the sovereignty of god in their mind they knew that god can forgive god can change their end so i hope this word will encourage us particularly i want you to focus some of you here some of you here i do not know why i am using the word some of you here call to be prophets call to be prophets you need to take time and ask the lord when i am saying those words in your heart you will know it when i am saying it yes that's me and if you think that's me if you have felt it in your heart this it's me god has called you already determine to speak only what god gives you and do not be afraid do not be afraid to speak what god gives you the message people can only kill you that's the worst thing they can do is only they can kill you nothing more jesus said don't be afraid of them you must be afraid of god who can not only kill your body but also put your soul into the eternal hell you must be afraid of god so when you are afraid of man then you are going to do say things that will please them but when you are afraid of god you will say what god tells you to say the fear of god should dominate you not the fear of man fear of god should dominate our hearts not the fear of man and jonah he did not have a problem to proclaim the message at all he never had the problem his problem was that this people will repent and god will forgive them and he will not punish them and if he does not punish them then they are going to come and invade israel that was his fear exactly that is what happened after 37 years they came and invaded israel so he was seeing far into the future and that's why he was running away from the call as a prophet 
So let not what God shows us stop us from doing the will of God. Sometimes you may see far into ahead, far into the times in the future, but let it not stop you from obeying God in the present. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Shakara Bhastaro, Randasana Manaraste, Kastara Koroni Kanda Kashar Sastakorono, Roshondara Sabiro, Rahaseni Kara Bhasto, Sandaka Barno Ronda Bhasto Koroni, Shabanda Sarastakoroni, Kororo Hose, Kaharana Makere, Korondo Korono Manasarase, Boka Sandakara Sendeberi Sandabori, Korosonda Bana Sabarastakoronda Sabasokoroni. Lord Holy Spirit, let your word come to children now, whom you are called to be prophets. Let the testimony, the witness of the Holy Ghost be in their heart now, in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the witness of the Holy Ghost be so clear, let it be so clear, let it be so clear that they will never miss it. Miss it. Kara Sanda Kara Sektegiri, Barakara Sandara Sasto, Bahana Sandara Sasoro, Boroshekte Sandara Nabasokroni. He who called you will also equip you. As the word of the Lord was never fell to ground that came to Samuel, if God has called you to be a prophet, every word you speak will never fall to the ground. It is not your job to fulfill the words of the prophecy. It is God who will fulfill the words of the prophecy, says the Lord. He is responsible for it. So you need to open your mouth and speak. And if you are saying, Lord, let your word come to me, let your word come to me as it came to Jonah. Let your word come to me as it came to Isaiah. Let your word come to me as it came to Ezekiel. Let your word come to me as it came to Daniel. Let your word come to me as it came to Abraham. Let your word come to me as it came to Moses. Let your word come. Oh God, I'm longing for your word to come. Longing for your word to come. Let your word come to me. Sustain me. That is my bread. Let your word come to me. If that is the cry of your heart, just stand where you are. I'm going to ask the Lord to fill you with the spirit of prophecy. So you will become his mouthpiece. Shakara bara vanda saraste. Baka sereni mandara sabasto. Sakta sereni mahasharaste. Koranda bhasharaste kireni. The Lord says, don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of man. I need many people who will carry my words and speak my words. And I'm looking for people. I'm looking for my people. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That includes the gift of prophecy. It is yours for taking. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare the word of the Lord to come to you from today in a more fresh way, with more clarity, with more power. In the name of Jesus, I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody who's receiving the word will say, Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.